This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. Hello, I'm Anita Arnand and thank you for downloading BBC Radio 4's Any Answers, the sister programme to Any Questions. Corey, thank you very much indeed. Good afternoon. Welcome to Any Answers. So there were no taxis waiting to speed people to the station. The Cabinet met at Chequers last night and collectively agreed a way forward for Brexit. What did you make of the announcements overnight? Are you, as some have expressed on the news bulletin you just heard, like Nigel Evans, um, a little unhappy at the way things are going? Do you have trepidation? Any which way you feel, give us a call. 03700 100 is the number to call. Uh, is medical medicinal cannabis, I should say, OK with you? And what do you feel about full legalisation? I would love your thoughts on that. We're already getting quite a few texts and tweets on this. I'm 63 and a retired nurse. I've smoked cannabis every day for over 30 years legalise all of it except skunk, writes Jane. Uh, And another one here, I wish the terminology would change from legalising cannabis to regulating it. It's already readily available, more so than alcohol if you're under 18. It's just like Sunday opening in the late late 80s. Illegal, but the law isn't enforced. If you have something to say about that, do give us a call this afternoon, 03700 100 444. Uh, Police in hazmat suits have been searching a Salisbury hostel looking for Novichok after a second poisoning this week. Do you think it's a bit previous to accuse Putin and the Russian state? Very keen to hear from you if you're living in and around Salisbury. And uh, let's talk about inflatable Trump blimp babies. That is not as easy to say as you might think. Uh, We can also talk about revenge Sadiq Khan balloons, if you like. Is this all getting a little bit childish in the skies or is it the very best of British? You can talk to us about these things. Also, President Trump moving the US embassy to Jerusalem. Should we follow suit? The number for all of these subjects, 03700 100 444. You can text us on 84844, tweet us using the hashtag BBCAQ or email any.answers at bbc.co.uk. But let us start with that uh, that evening announcement that uh, the Cabinet is in Concord behind the Prime Minister, Theresa May, on Brexit and the way forward. What do you make of it all? Mike Kane, our first caller this afternoon from Stockport. Hello. Hi there. Uh, yesterday, I was listening to what people had to say, and politicians were saying things are very clear. Well, to me, they're as clear as mud, and they're only clear if you see things in black and white and um, a, a colourblind, basically. After this meeting, I was expecting something to be certain. We had Mr Brexit on the radio this morning saying he wasn't. We just had Nigel saying he wasn't. Um, if I was waiting for some answers, even like a, a, a child's university results, I'd be saying, how did it go? How did it go? So I cannot believe that somebody like Boris Johnson didn't get in touch with Jacob um, last night or early this morning or whenever. Mm-hmm. And so I, we're, we're actually still in, in a, a fiasco of a, an, an indecision. Hmm. And we have lots of negotiations to do, but we haven't got any time to do the negotiations. Well, I mean, what we, what we have is that we have a, a, a planned way forward or a suggested way forward, which is for a soft Brexit. That is the plan that is, has, seems to have been a, a, agreed. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that is what now, what that ball has now been kicked to the EU and it's up to them to decide whether they will accept us on those terms. Um, is, so what more clarity would you like than that? What did you want to hear from them last night? Well, if that's the case, why are the Jacobs saying we, have, we need more details and the Nigels saying we need more details? Mm. And the, the, pro, the pro-remainers saying we need more details. It isn't, it isn't clear. Okay. Basically, I just don't see how it can be clear. It, the only thing that is clear is the Cabinet can't squabble in public. 
Okay. All right. Okay, Mike, thank you very much. No, thank you. Uh, Nick Vinehall is calling us from Norfolk. Hello. Hi, Nick. Hello. Hi. Um, well, I've got no trepidation or sense of betrayal over what happened last night, the details of which were revealed after your broadcast. I realise that. Mm. Um, I, I didn't want Brexit in the first place. I didn't want a referendum in the first place. And judging by this cobbled up, have your cake and eat it, kind of arrangement that they came up with. It sounds very much like the government don't want it, yet alone big business. What, I mean, what's wafting around some of the opinion pieces, which are still embryonic and they will come out in their full-grown glory on, on Sunday, no doubt, is that um, the reason people are in line in the Cabinet is because they fully expect the EU to say no. No, that's all very lovely that that's what you want, but we're not having it because you're crossing some of our red lines now and they will reject it and therefore any kind of dissent right now is just academic and doesn't help. Yeah, well, I think the EU will reject it and I don't blame them. It's not They're not bullying us. We, we had this referendum in the first place where there was no proper leave manifesto and it was just a simple binary leave or remain choice. And uh, now, of course, it's all come home to roost. Two years it's taken. They're complaining at the time. It's obviously going to take time because we're so heavily, our economy is so heavily entrenched in the economy. That's why Mm. it's not just an easy thing like so many Brexiteers think that you can just get up and leave. You can't. Well, um, thank you very much for your call. Just uh, an idea of what what business has been saying or, or what the economy, sort of the, the responses so far. We heard business leaders this morning uh, cautiously optimistic. The CBI called the deal a genuine confidence boost and said the Prime Minister deserved credit for delivering a unified approach. Um, also heard from the Institute of Directors this morning who said it was a positive step forward. What do you think? Sid Schaefer calling us from Surrey. Hello. Oh, hello there. Um, I'd like to make a a very practical point. There's no theoretical or ideological point here. I I actually run a small business and there's almost nobody amongst politicians, journalists or economists that's been speaking up for the everyday practicalities of selling to Europe and what it it means and what will happen if if tariffs are, are put on goods and people have to apply for work permits and so forth to work in other countries. I'd just like to explain the situation. If you're selling a non-agricultural product or a product that isn't highly regulated like pharmaceuticals, let's just say, for example, trousers. I don't sell trousers, but let's just say that. Then if you want to get into the European market and you're based in the UK, you do what I do. You spend, you spend 25 years going to trade shows and gradually building up um, a group of retailers or, or buyers over that period of time. You possibly learn languages and so forth. You find out that you can fly to Europe for £25 here and £60 there and so on and so forth. All of these regulations, which are constantly um, referenced for businesses like mine, do not exist. There is only one piece of extra uh, administration which you need to do, which is actually put on you by HMRC, Mm. which is you have to make a list of all of your sales in Europe. That's it. There are no other regulations from Europe. The foods may be different. Pharmaceuticals may be different. Everybody who is speaking about the economics of this are talking on a macro level. Okay. They're talking about car companies and steel companies who already have penetration into those markets. Now, this is my point now. If we are supposed, someone like me, or there must be tens of thousands like me, are supposed to now turn to emerging markets like China or Brazil, we will have to fly to those countries at 
one, two, three thousand pounds each time you go there. We will have to locate trade shows and spend 25 years, if we have a product that they even want, mm. to build up the same level of relationship we have with Europe, which is next door. Okay, but but if but if the prime minister pulls off what she is is intending, and this is this is what the proposal is anyway, and this is the thing that some. Um, uh, of the harder Brexiteers are are worried about because it was last night advocated that there might be a free trade area for goods, I guess goods like trousers or the the kind of thing that you are involved in, uh, which would be maintained by what they're calling, and again, we don't have detail yet, a common rule book, uh, which would be committed to in a treaty. So in a way, you know, not much would change if Europe says, yes, that's fine with them. Then would you have great problems ahead? It it sounds like it would be pretty similar to what you're going through now. That that would be amazing, except that um, I suspect a that I, I suspect Europe won't want that because it will basically mean that any country that wants to leave and maintain the, the biggest plus point of being part of Europe, which is mm. this free market situation, will just do it tomorrow. Yeah. And there's plenty of political parties across Europe that would like that to happen. Yeah. And okay. The other, the other so, one very briefly said because I've got uh, calls other, stacked up in front is, of me. Yeah which these macro people that are talking about going to China and going to India, we are in a situation where shipping, even to Europe, has destroyed a lot of our businesses, let alone shipping to China. I just meant like to mention that. OK, thank you very much indeed. 03700 uh, On the uh, tweets, Chris says, May had a plan on the table yesterday. Brexiteers did not have a plan at the referendum and apparently they still don't. Why should we listen to them? No plan, no respect. Uh, another one here from a, a, a tweeter who calls themselves What's That Sound? I'm guessing Brexit maniacs hope EU rejects the Chequers deal, creating crisis resulting in no deal. David says we need the people's vote, a second referendum for an exit from this insane uh, situation. Another one here, Rick. Both Labour and Conservatives are frightened of going against a referendum outcome, so they're both looking for a way to respect a Brexit, but without hamstringing the economic future. We might not agree with that approach, but it is very understandable why they are taking it. 03700 Fran Hiddett is calling us from Crewe. Hello. Hello. Hi, what did you want to say? Well, we have recently moved house. And when we saw the house, we agreed in principle to buy it. But that was all subject to searches being made. And if anything had turned up on those searches that meant that we didn't want to buy the house, perhaps it was prone to flooding or it had got dry rot all over the place or whatever, we would not then have bought the house. It seems to me that when we voted on the first referendum, we voted in principle to go, but I feel that we need now to know what the details are to have the searches done, in effect, before we can say, yes, we are going. Hmm. And uh, and somebody who would be on... I, I mean, I'm guessing you voted to remain, is that right? Yes. Well, somebody who, who voted ardently to leave would say, look... We just want to build a boundary wall that we can control around our property and then we can decide what happens in our property and make it perfect and just the way we like. Um, well, I don't really see that that's, that's relevant in this situation. OK. All right, Fran, thank you very much indeed. Let's go to Adrian Jones, who's calling us from uh, Merseyside. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Anita. Hi, what did you want to say? Um, the question was about the referendum and the will of the people is piously invoked by those who who happen to agree with it 
Um, and I thought the contrib- contribution from your panellists to this question was very good last night, apart from Baroness Beach, who obviously um, uh, trying to get out of the second referendum by saying the point of the referendum is that it lasts a generation. Who says? The will of the people is not immutable. Mm-hmm. And I think more and more people are realising that Brexit is not the simple road to the golden future they were promised. Mm-hmm. OK, thank you very much. Let's take a couple more tweets. For the avoidance of doubt, Theresa May and her cabinet spent all day at Chequers negotiating with themselves and produced something that has no possibility of being agreed by the EU. Uh, that is from someone who calls themselves incorrigible FCA. Uh, John Dalton, the EU has made it perfectly clear they will ac- what they will accept. It is we, the leaving nation, who have no idea what we want. Uh, let's take a couple more calls on this, and then I know there are a lot of you who want to talk about the legalisation of medicinal cannabis and cannabis in general. Very happy to talk about that. 03700 100 444 is the number to call. Um, Hilary Sanders is calling us from Bristol. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Hi there. What did you want to say? Um, I'm very concerned that if we end up with a no-deal Brexit, which is becoming increasingly likely... We could have these awful, poisonous divisions going on for decades. And I I can't believe that the government hasn't done research to find out how a no-deal Brexit would affect every part of the country economically. Mm. And I think if people actually knew what the situation was going to be, whether Brexit was going to bring investment or halt it, whether jobs were going to come or go in their area then they'd have a much better basis for actually making what is a very complex decision. Mm. And I, I really feel that, that the government should be honest and should reveal exactly what the implications are for each area so that people know how a no-deal Brexit would affect them and their friends and their relatives. Well, maybe they haven't been in a position to talk about that because it affects business confidence and everything else until they put what they did last night on the table and see how the 27 member countries of the EU respond to it. If they say, um, I mean, I know Michel Barnier has been cautiously welcoming of the UK government paper last night, but if the other 27 say, well, no, we're not having this, we're not having this because you're crossing our red lines, uh, just sort of cherry-picking what you like from, from what we offer, um, then no deal becomes more of a reality and no deal becomes a subject that we can discuss openly. Then you'll I find out. Feel that the, the possibility of no deal has been mentioned more and more in recent months, not just in the last week or two. Okay. And, and I, I really think the government has a responsibility to spell out clearly what that's going to mean for every part of the nation because I don't think we will ever come together as a nation until we know what it actually means. Thank you very much indeed. I know there'll be uh, people ringing up and agreeing uh, and disagreeing with that. 03700 100 444. Uh, I voted to leave both in 1975 and 2016 but having seen how scary the future would be in free trade drills of the deals with a Trump-led USA or authoritarian regimes such as that in China, I've been changing my mind and feel we would be safer in a partnership of equals rather than getting swallowed up by the ruthless and predatory policies of Trump's America first. Having seen this awful future and the lies of Brexiteers, 
uh, and their project fantasy, I Want Another Vote, says Roy Morris, who's emailed from Sheffield. Uh, and another one here, I resent tremendously people like Martin Lewis telling me what I voted for and didn't vote for in this referendum. When I voted out, I knew exactly what I wanted, completely out of everything, out of the customs, out of tariffs, out of the EC. Uh, J, unlimited immigration, etc., etc. I know what I wanted. Uh, that is from Bunny Clapton. Uh, Peter Ashcroft is calling us from Huntington in Cambridgeshire. You'll be our last on this, Peter. What did you want to say? Well, what I wanted to say was that I believe that we had one referendum. We want to follow through on it. We want to leave the political European Union, but we still want to trade with the whole of Europe including members of the European Union and the rest of the world. So we are really an island nation which wants to trade generally and not just be tied politically to the European Union. And that's my criticism. Mm. Well, but OK, but so what if they say, yeah, you can carry on trading with us, but we'll just stick tariffs on because you're not part of our gang anymore. So you don't get the benefits of being having club membership anymore. Deal away, but then you'll feel the pinch for that deal. Now, one of the things that has been mentioned before now is to have a special relationship with the European Union as a trading partner yeah. and not as a member. And this is the main thing. We want to have uh, this arrangement as such. And therefore, we can continue to trade with them because a lot of the trade, the countries themselves wish to trade with it. It's only the political elite in yeah. Brussels who are trying to stop us trading continually okay. with the rest of Europe. I, I hear exactly what you're saying, but then one hand doesn't clap. If you want that kind of arrangement, both sides have to agree it. And if the other side, as somebody else said, you know, will not have you sort of picking and choosing what you want and, and, and uh, disregarding the other things that entitle you to this kind of club membership, why would they clap back? Thank you very much indeed. 03700 100 444. Um, let's talk about cannabis uh, and whether we should loosen up a little bit when it comes to regulation of cannabis, medicinal and just recreational. Your thoughts on this would be very welcome. David Raines uh, is calling us Theresa Fox, Michael Ryan. Let's go to Theresa first of all, who's calling us from Camden. Hello. Hello there. Hi. What did you want to say? Well, I just cannot see a downside for legalising cannabis for all uses. If it was for recreational or medicinal, as it has been used for thousands of years, and if it was, for example, sold through boots, it could be a pure substance that was taxed, pay for national health. Mm. So many people smoke it to this area. People smoke. You could smell it in the streets. And they're smoking skunk, which is made by mafia, made by people who just don't care about the youngsters' health. Mm. All they care about is the profit. I think it's absolutely irresponsible to leave it in the hands of the criminals. What do you think about the argument that it is a gateway drug to other well, things? It's a nicotine, which is very dangerous and addictive. But other than that, at the moment, it's a gateway to prosecution and... Yes, skunk is a gateway to mental health issues, I believe. OK, thank you very much, Theresa. Let's go to David, who's calling us from uh, somewhere near Bath, I believe. Hello, David. Hello. Good Hi. afternoon. Yeah, well, you heard, you heard yeah, Theresa saying, look, just, just 
you know, think, it's happening anyway, just might as well take the tax on it. I think, I think there's two separate issues which are very, very distinct. One is the medical use of cannabis or cannabis-based products, and the other is the so-called recreational use. Uh, you know, I'd like to... Uh, there were people on the panel uh, talking, politicians even, sort of, uh, I think, recklessly recommending cannabis, full-spectrum cannabis, for, med- for medical use. And um, we're a first-world country, and we've got a first-world pharmaceutical approval system, and even then we get things very wrong, and we all remember thalidomide and the history of that. And uh, cannabis, full-spectrum cannabis, has some of the teratogenic effects that uh, thalidomide had. I mean, it affects the child in the womb, and, and there is a believed connection with a terrible disease called gastroschisis, which is babies born with a large intestine outside the body cavity. Uh, are, uh, you a, are you a medic yourself? You, you... I'm not a medic, no? but okay. I, I'm in touch with people who are working on this all over the world. You know, I, I'm a, a campaigner in the UK against legalisation, so of course I read an awful lot. Um, I, and there is a warning, by the way, about that on the NHS website uh, for Wales. Mm. So it, I'm not just inventing these things. Uh, there are lots of other things wrong with cannabis, and the well-known almost unchallengeable now psychological effect and you're just your recent caller talked about skunk skunk is high thc cannabis thc is the bit that makes it's the people, active component isn't it it's the, the bit that gets yeah. people yes uh, and uh, skunk is just a product of user demand but but cannabis of the 60s which had a more balanced cbd thc content still still damaged people Mm. Cannabis damages people, and skunk is a careless term. You know, it is, it's a non-specific term. It doesn't mean anything. Well, what of what those who say, look, David, you, you're a campaigner against, so you're using the um, very apex of cases that are terrifying, and underneath those is a whole wealth of uh, experience of people who use recreationally. It's safer than alcohol. It's less That's addictive. What I say, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. So, what is what is your answer to that? Well, um, the well, I, I, that. I, even even I think you know, uh, was it Professor Nutt who came up with a, a study on cannabis use. Well, Professor Nutt is not an expert on cannabis use. The expert on cannabis use and mental ill health is Professor Robin Murray. And Professor Robin Professor Robin Murray is an expert on cannabis and on psychosis. And he and Nutt had a public spat mm. in which in which Robin Murray suggested that Nutt was manipulating the figures. So there's there's real contention there. Well, so, yeah, I mean, let, let, he's not here to defend himself. No, no, I should I, I'm say. And, the yeah, okay, but uh, yeah, I want yeah, to just I mean, point out that that is a, that is his opinion against Nutt. If yeah, you want to legalise for recreational mm-hmm. use, what you've got to demonstrate is an overwhelming public good. Only 6 to 7% of the population use cannabis now. 16% of the population use nicotine. And that's down from tobacco. Okay. That's down from 48% in 1948. OK, David, really I, w- I want, want to... to have another, another yeah. drug? Well, let, let's talk to somebody who does use. Uh, Michael Ryan is with us, uh, or yeah, calling us that. from Liverpool. Hello, Michael, are you there? I'm well, I'm well, yes, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. So David is worried for you and... Um, oh, good. Okay. You know, uh, you know as, as you've explained, I, I am a user and uh, I have been using for some time. It's not a gateway drug, not for me. H- how, l- how long have you been using, just so we get an idea of that? About 30 years. Okay. And, but, um, I mean, I, I'm not using it now. I don't use it. You know, I can go weeks without it. It, it doesn't bother me. It's, uh, but I like the sensation of it. It's, uh, it's very, for me, it's... Uh, um, it's a nice high, and it's, uh, it gets me out of lots of different mm. situations. But the thing about it is that I can access this drug. I need to pick up the phone now. I can access this drug anywhere, does, anytime. But does, that not, does it not bother you that it's illegal, that actually there are laws that would get you into trouble? No. Um, now, um, and the thing is that um, it, it, it shows that police policy is not working, that it's not just... Cannabis. So had I wanted to, I could get hold of any drug at the moment. Um, 
um, just on the end of a telephone call and it could be delivered. Now, the fact that we are leaving um, this kind of distribution to criminals mm. is criminal itself. Uh, you cannot prescribe or educate when you prohibit because if you ban something, just say no, what an idiotic thing. Um, is it, You're just leaving it to the people who basically make money out of it and will make money out of it. Okay. The book policy is a complete waste of time. And not only that, uh, as was shown with uh, prescription uh, prohibition in America, the, the quality of the drug goes down, and so people are at much more risk. I mean, asbestos is used by criminals. Too. Yeah. Okay, let, 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 let me just, I mean, just because we've got a lot of calls, it's very, I mean, very interesting, this has provoked a great response um, today, but just in a sentence, you would legalise a lot, even skunk, the, the well, stuff that has got a, a very massive question mark over it and its its uh, effects on, on mental health, that would, would be okay I too. I would definitely legalise that, everything, because... You'd legalise everything, okay. Uh, without a doubt, because right. it, it's, it's proven that uh, once you... Um, legalize it the quality of the drug improves and again you can prescribe at the moment the people selling drugs were not you know where, that i see yeah uh, somebody said you know the ones who are selling it right now they don't care about you um thank you very much indeed oh three seven hundred one hundred four 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 uh lots and lots of thoughts on this. let me just read some of your submissions i know there are other callers waiting very patiently and i will get to you lucinda and adrian you in particular thank you for holding on uh tony buying cannabis is the gateway uh, to stronger drugs. Not all cannabis users are heroin addicts, but all heroin addicts started by using cannabis, says Tony. Um, another one here, MS Chin, says, um, smoking spliffs makes young people abandon their studies and drop out. This is reefer madness. Uh, another one here, we don't want recreational cannabis. We don't want the one billion extra cash, really. No, we don't tr- criminalise tobacco. Um, also, people who self-medicate may have conditions that uh, idiots are then blaming on the drug that they're taking. Let's take two calls on this uh, and uh, then we'll see uh, what you want to talk about. Lucinda calling us from Surrey. Hello. Hi. Uh, thank, thank you for taking my call. Right, so I'd like to start off with two major points. First of all, the point that cannabis for recreational use is dangerous. Um, and I'd like to start with um, a quote, and I don't know who this has actually said this. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again, expecting a different response. Our drugs policy at the second is not working. Young people and adults are still dying. Prohibition doesn't work, as can be shown by alcohol in America. Dangerous, things which are dangerous in life that we allow people to do, skydiving, scuba diving, horse riding, caving, potholing. Uh, oh, I mean, the list is endless. Do mm. we say, no, you can't do that? No, what we do is we put in place things which actually protect the individual do, do you do you use yourself, Lucinda? Is that, I mean, you seem very um, passionate about it. Do you use? Uh, in the past, I lived yeah. in America for a number of years, and at that point, yes, I did. And I knew people who had incredibly bad medical conditions, which were actually the symptoms were alleviated by the medical use of it. Okay. I was taking it for a medical reason, um, and it reduced anti-anxiety, um, relieved and nausea, and was anti-inflammatory. But, but you, you were self-medicating. I just want to. I want to get someone very quickly, Lucinda. Yeah. I wasn't self-medicating. I had a prescription right. that was given to me by an authorised prescription person in America and I was going to shops where it was actually controlled. It was like a delicatessen for drugs and I knew exactly how much THC and CBD were going into okay. it. Now, can I just say there are two types of um, things in, in drugs? Actually, actually, listen, listen okay. I, 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 I want to get Adrian on because Adrian has been waiting for such a long time and you'll forgive me, but thank you. You made the point really, and it's very interesting. Adrian, you heard from Lucinda it was prescribed. She had it in America. It helped her. Uh, what do you say? I wish I could have that here. 
Um, I suffer from MS. Um, one of the symptoms of MS is extreme muscle spasms, which actually make you feel like you can dislocate joints at times. They're so violent. Um, the one thing that has helped me more than anything else is cannabis. It relaxes the muscles. It stops the spasms. It works. Mm-hmm. It's proven to work. I can't understand how a bunch of MPs can tell me that I can't have a drug that relieves my terrible symptoms while I'm allowed to be prescribed a synthetic form of heroin in the in, in, in the form of tramadol. Mm. Adrian, um, I, 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 we're, we're sort of up against the end, but I think that uh, it, this is a subject we'll, that will come up again and hopefully we'll have more time to speak to you when it does. But thank you very much indeed for, for sharing that with us. Um, we've got two minutes left of the programme and we need to talk about Trump Limp Baby. Um, let's go to John Ormsby, who's calling us from Bolton. Andrew Pearson, who's calling us from Billinghurst. Gentlemen, hello. Uh, John, hello. is it OK for us not to be flying a flag, but flying a Trump limp baby over the Capitol when he comes to visit? No, it's, it's another publicity stunt by the London mayor, and it lowers the tone of the capital city around the world. If you're unaware of how people uh, view this, you just need to go online and look at how. Hey, John, uh, he, but it wasn't his idea. It wasn't his idea to do it. Um, others no, did but, it, and he had but to. He's, a, he's yeah. a visiting dignitary, and it's an insult to the president of the country, whether or not you voted for him or not. I'm a Canadian. Nobody's better at lampooning the Americans than we are. It's a national sport. However, we wouldn't ridicule a visiting dignitary like that. He didn't do it to the president of China. He doesn't do it for questionable people. He shares platforms. Okay, let me get let me get Dr. Stuart Russell on. Dr. Stuart Russell, is it okay to fly this thing? It's an insult. Well, well, it is an insult. But the thing is, Mr. Trump, God bless him. He annoys the people who need annoying, the politically correct brigade. Anybody who's been around longer than 30 years realises this cut that the West is suffering from insanity mm-hmm. with all this, this self-righteous anti-racism, anti-sexism, anti-homophobia, all this nonsense. And there's Mr Trump doing a great job. OK. Making them do these silly things. OK, Dr Russell. So, OK, anti-racism, anti-sexism, those are silly things. Andrew Pearson, is that where you stand? I just want a short history lesson for the for the mayor, 1918, it was the Americans who came to rescue us in the First World War. Mm. 1944, the Normandy lands wouldn't yeah. have been possible without America. Okay. And also, it's a short, it's a shorter history, it's a shorter history lesson than you, you thought because we we're out of time. Um, thank you very much indeed. Back same time next week, and in the meantime, football, I believe, is coming home. I hope you enjoyed this edition of Any Answers. Don't forget, if you want to hear any questions or you'd like to invite the programme to your venue, then please go to the BBC Radio 4 website and search for any questions. I'm Anita Arnand. Thank you for listening.